welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We give us a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know I'm multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Reading is the key to unlocking your potential. Countless benefits, including cognitive and mental. Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential. Go get yours, I'll get mine. Make you strive. Monumental. Come rock with me and get down to this new jam. I had a very simple plan Educate the masses Through books and life lessons It's the Grand Slam I'm out Dala Falava, Malo Elele, and welcome to the Reads of Rossa podcast. On today's show, we have a freelance director, producer, and production designer of Tongan, English, Scottish, and Maori ancestry, who has filmed and exhibited extensively throughout the Pacific. Her debut feature for My Father's Kingdom had its world premiere in the Berlin Film Festival in 2019. It was the first Pacific Island feature documentary funded by the New Zealand Film Commission and first in the world to be directed and produced by Tongan females. She is the co-founder of the family-based visual production company Malosi Pictures based in Auckland and her passion is storytelling through a Moana Pacifica lens. It is such an honor to welcome to the show, Bea Mafileo. Yay! Woohoo! I know I do need to invest in the audience button, but that's okay. We're okay. <laughs> we're good. We're good. How are you? Good, good. Malolile. <laughs> it's such an honor to welcome you to the show. Woo! I'm a fan. How is life over in um, Aotearoa? How is the weather over there? Um, it's so today is pretty rainy. It's pretty horrible today, Ooh. actually. Um, but uh, it's all good because summer's coming. Um, and you know, I just can't wait to just have warm nights. Mm. I think that's what I miss about New Zealand, you know, in comparison with the islands, is just like right. having the warm nights. So I'm excited for that to, to kick in shortly. It should be coming soon. Let's hope for the best. I'd like to ask our guests to just a uh, brief introduction, shout out your family, villages. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, Malolele, everyone. Um, my, um, I'm from, as you said, um, English, Scottish um, ancestry on my mother's side. Um, and from Tongoleleka Hehifo Hapai on my father's side. And we also, our great-great-grandfather was a Māori whaler. Um, he jumped ship in Tonga in Hapai, got the... Um, but we actually haven't followed that ancestry line, so mm. that's still to be uncovered. Um, yeah, and, you know, just um, based here in uh, Tamaki, Makoto, in uh, Papatoetoe, um, originally from Hamilton, um, and, yeah, been up here in Auckland over, oh, just coming on, must be nearly 20, 23 years now. So, mm. wow, let's talk about Hamilton. I, I mean, when I was researching you, it was so interesting. I was like, a dairy farm? What was it like growing up in that type of environment uh, in Hamilton? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, we, we had a, I always like to say that we um, had the best of both worlds in mm. terms of having um, the influences of, of both our cultures um, in our lives. Um, even though we were um, born and brought up in Hamilton, we still were able to maintain quite a lot of um, Tongan connections through our dad being the leader of the Tongan society and, um, and starting that movement up in, in Hamilton. But then also having the opportunity to be able to um, go back and forth to Tonga in different um, times as we were growing up and, you know, experience going to school over there, experience properly living there, you know, no washing machine, mm. um, <laughs> that kind of, you know, um, really getting to know the, the whenua and the land and of both places. And I think, you know, especially growing up on the farm, um, the farm was our playground when we were growing up. Um, you know, me and my siblings, we were, if we weren't climbing trees, 
um, looking for bird's nests. Well, that that was me. That was my my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were mucking around in the paddocks and the troughs and the drains, fishing for eels or sprats or you know just mm. just really um um I think blessed to um even though it was dairy farm um just uh be able to live in an environment that was country life um mm. yeah so so definitely um love our our childhood um and the experiences that gave us um and you know, living in in Hamilton is is such a small town. Um, I think you know we all learnt to drive like super super early, like thirteen <laughs> something. You know, to, to be able to drive into town and um, when, well, yeah, we didn't. And we just got our licenses as soon as we as possible. Um, mm. But in, in saying that, it was also, um, you know, we were definitely at our primary school like the only brown family, and then high school pretty much the only Tongan family but you know that that had its um good points as well and so um yeah we I had a I'd like to say that I had a really enjoyable childhood so Mm. yeah were there other Pacific Islanders in the area like um I mean you were traveling you were able to travel back to Tonga to you know have that connection with with the with the family but in your own immediate community there in Hamilton like were were you seeing like other I mean probably Maori families but other you know Pacific Islanders or brown folks yeah well there was you know the we used to go to Tongan church um Mm. which was in town so we'd go into into town with um with dad and um and so we knew the the Tongan community there. It was very very small. Like everyone mm. knew everyone. Um, and then um, you know, in in high school, we were able to. I think I was I was part of the committee that formed the first um, Polyfest for Hamilton. Um, so yeah, that was ages ago. So you know, there were we tried to kind of have a um, a Pacific influence. In, mm. in Hamilton and, and find our, our people as much as possible. But, you know, at high school, definitely there were a few Pacific families. So, um, you know, I was in the, gravitated toward the Maldives, was in right. the Kapaka group, was in the whanau, learnt um, Maori language and um, and that, that was all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we also, um, living on the farm, dad, um, would give a few paddocks up for kumara planting so all mm. the tongans would come out and plant their kumaras and so we would they would always come out and kind of be around the farm as well which was really really nice you know we would spend hours playing in the in the kumara patch and and i think just having that um space to be able to grow your own vegetables and stuff for the mm. community um so yeah that was cool when did you know that you loved film or when did you get your first camera like when did the love for images and things like that that bug when did it hit you well um I we never had a a tv growing up um (laughs) you know my my friends used to have tvs so I would always try and like go go and play at their house and stay at their house and, <laughs> and, and watch stuff there. But it was never really a, um, a, a big ambition of mine to get into the film industry. I mean, I, I think I remember when I was about 14 watching The Last of the Mohicans and just like mm. crying and just being so like emotionally moved by one of the scenes, Alice, when she jumps off the cliff. Um, and and I think from there that triggered like this like oh wow um, film is so powerful because um, you know when you're like 14 you're very your emotions are very heightened and of course mm. it was a love scene so um, I think <laughs> from there it uh, well not not a love scene but a you know right, right, right. the greatest greatest love the she was willing to yeah. sacrifice her life you know kind of thing mm. um, so. I think, um, but I had always wanted to be a painter, um, uh, an artist. And so um, 
after, um, after well, all the way through high school, um, I took all the art subjects, um, painting, printing, <laughs> sculpture, mm. art history, um, because I really, uh, oh, I'm dyslexic. So English and writing and maths and everything was just like super hard for me. I mean, mm. I managed to pass everything, but it was like 50s, 52, because back then, you know, it was um, school C, so you just had to pass. Um, mm. So I had always had a passion for the arts, um, but never... Yeah, never driven to do film until, um, uh, when was it? Uh, I came up to Auckland to go to art school. My, um, what happened after high school was um, um, I did a year doing scuba diving and worked in Tonga for a while as a dive instructor mm -hmm. and then realised this is a very cowboy um, job, you know, like it's... <laughs> And I could get really comfortable and stay here and just end up tropo <laughs> and have a really awesome, fun life, like best years of my right. life. But I was just like, oh, man, I need to, like, get a degree, get some formal education. Well, the, the drive, you know, my parents had always driven us to um, go to uni. Um, and so, yeah, I went, came up to Auckland to go to art school and... Um, moved into the middle of Aotearoa and that was a complete culture shock um, in terms of, wow, there's everyone here looks like us, everyone, mm -hmm. like no one's staring at, it, at us anymore, we kind of fit in and there's so many brown people and there's so many islanders, like this is crazy. So it was kind of um, a little bit of, um, we just felt comfortable you know, whereas in Hamilton, yes, we grew up there, but there was never, I guess, a, I guess we kind of found a little bit of belong of of, mm. of home, um, yeah, and went to art school. Um, so at art school, um, there's a contextual studies component, which is you know the writing and the essays mm. and everything. And again, you know, I hated that part with passion. And so um, my sister and I, sh she came up with me and she's a photographer. That's her photography actually behind on the walls. Wow. Um, she, um, we would go over to Tonga in our school break, um, in our school holidays and photograph. And I would um, do, we would just like try and absorb as much of Tonga as, as possible and grab all this content and, and bring it back to art school and, and develop it. But I one year took over a little camcorder and recorded all my interviews and everything through that and then had like, I don't know, over 20 tapes and came back and realised that I couldn't make anything else or, or sculpture or something out of anything that would be better than the actual footage. Mm. Um, so it was from that, which was supposed to just be my research, that it became my actual artwork. And then mm. I, um, my work moved um, away from sculpture into um, moving image installation. And so really mm. kind of combining the sculptural space um, and environment with um, the, the moving images that we had, I had got from Tonga. Yeah. Wow, I, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. I thought I had read up everything, but I'm like, okay, okay. Um, I was wondering about, you know, your passion for storytelling, uh, especially the Moana Pacifica lens and your years, your extensive years of experience. Like, how have you seen that change from when you started to currently, like, has there been a huge shift in our storytelling? Are we more bold in our storytelling or have we always been bold and people just didn't recognize it? What are some thoughts that you have around that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in the beginning, <clears throat> well, back when, when we were just kind of starting and finding our feet um, in the industry, you know, there was um, just a few sort of Pacific programs. 
um, you know, Pacific Beach Street, Tangata Pacifica mm. and, and Fresh. And it was all very kind of um, kind of safe to a certain extent. It was just kind of like covering, <clears throat> you know, the polyfest and everything, which is fine. Um, but I think it has taken us um, a little while to kind of get into the meteor topics and be okay mm. with um, uh, talking about things more and exploring stuff visually. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, we, if you look at the time span of um, film in the world, mm. you know, um, the Europeans and the Asians, they've had over um, 120 years or so of being able to, find their film language and develop what that is for their culture um, and their people and the best way to that uh, to transcend um, their messages through film and, and digital imagery. So, you know, it's as, as a culture, the digital world is only new to us. Um, mm. You know, I can, so you can almost count on your hand how many features that are made by Pacific people, and there's not many. So we're, we're really just kind of really beginning at the beginning stages of, of creating what um, our, our identity in the digital space. So, yeah, I mean, it has developed quite a lot, but it's also been quite a slow um, process for us. Um, you know, you look at... Um, but but I think that that's kind of like indigenous peoples globally. <laughs> it just it's, mm. it's taken us harder because we have to deal with with things about life and and there's just not the education and research around stuff to really push it harder because there's a lot of firsts. We're we're doing mm. all the discoveries that all the other cultures have done years ago. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it, we're just we're there and we're just going to get better. Did you have mentors, uh, what I mean is other Pacific Island mentors in the space that you could reach out to, or are you the mentor now for others? Like what I mean is like, you know, like were you just kind of like trying to find your way, trying to find your place in the world, or at least in the art world? Yeah, I mean, there was there was the few kind of like handful, like, you know, um, Sima Urale. Um, mm. the Lisa Talmers who, um, you know, specific um, people who have been in the industry who who have been able to kind of like, you know, put a hand down and pull people up, which, um, you know, we, I've been I've been very grateful for um, a lot of the opportunities that I have had in the industry have just been through um, making those solid connections and just saying yes to things even if I don't know um mm. you know do you want to direct um okay <laughs> you know and just you know it's it, it has been a rolling ball but I think that that's that's kind of comes hand in hand with this industry because you can learn so much on the job mm. and you're always learning um you know I did a um director's attachment on Lord of the Rings um a uh, couple of years ago, oh my gosh, it was a couple of years ago now. Gosh, um, <laughs> but you know, even that big, expansive um, machine of what it was, um, they were still changing dialogue on set. They were still changing the way that the ship should be on set. Mm. You know, and and so even though there's so much prep and so much money gone into it whenever things are together on set human nature things change you know mm. things feel different with the environment so um yeah that that was kind of actually really good to see that um no one knows everything everyone is mm. still learning and you look at people and you're like oh they must have their stuff together but then the actuality is like no they're actually still learning it's all good mm. <laughs> and it's okay bit, right oh oh yeah it's it's yeah. totally okay you know and I think you know one of one of the things that I've always um just had in the back of my mind is just like fake it till you make it 
and you're never mm -hmm. going to make it. So you just keep faking it until you like, mm -hmm. you know. No, but, it's, but I think that that's it. Like, it, as long as you try your hardest, then, you know, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, let's talk about the documentary, your feature, our debut feature for My Father's Kingdom. I remember I was in Japan at that time when this was all, I, I was reading it all through Twitter. Man, tell us about For My Father's Kingdom. Um, how did you manage to get everyone? I mean, I don't know. First of all, I guess what inspired you to tell that story, a very personal story, I guess we'll start there. <laughs> I think, you know, for, um, because of our artwork and, um, we had always, you know, contextually been looking at um, different issues that have had um, affected our lives and that, that I was interested in, like, um, you know, uh, religion, for example, and religion's impact on, on um, um, Tonga in particular, um, on my, my father, actually. Um, <laughs> and so it just kind of... Um, for us, I guess, also being hafakasi, um, I guess we've always had a uh, questioning nature about us and our family um, has dealt with that in terms of like quite accepting with that because, um, I don't know, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess mm. it's hard to explain, but um, if we do see something that we don't think is quite sitting right with being a little bit logical and mm. not that it's illogical, some of these things, but I guess, you know, when we question things, um, it was always about um, not being disrespectful, right. but just going, Hey, there's probably a better way. Um you know, we can do things. Um, so that's kind of always been within our Tongan family, you know, when we mm. have our Tongan meetings and stuff, we've um, always had a sort of place to question, um, mm. which we've re always really appreciated. Um, but I think, you know, some of these things around tithing and um, just really for me was it was always about understanding why dad felt like he had to give so much um, mm. at the detriment to our family. Um, and he would always, um, you know, my, my parents had um, split up for a number of years, um, but he would always, um, you know, mum would kind of, when they were together, have a sort of, cap and control around mm. the spending um and so when you know there was the separation he just went crazy and did whatever he felt like he needed to do which mm. was hard for us to witness as um children just going oh well this doesn't make sense dad because um now you're asking us and it's putting us into a financially difficult position um mm. so and the thing is, is I was hearing a lot from our communities. It's always been a grumble. Mm. And so as siblings, we were like, oh, man, this is this is getting a little bit silly now because it's upsetting people. It's it's putting people in, in really – how are we supposed to grow as communities, like, when there's this big pressure upon us? So it was really from that. And, and I guess back then it was quite a place of anger because we were still, well, I know I was very angry at dad, given a lot of the separation stuff, um, but also because it was his time um, taken away from us and, and us as children. So it was, it was really about dad, us having the conversation with dad and just really understanding why he felt so driven to do this and dad was all for um being a part of it because you know mm. he loves us and he, he wants us to really understand why he does it so um <clears throat> yeah that's how it kind of started and it, it, i mm. guess it did start from a place of anger and 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 um and 
of course that kind of changed along the journey but that was mm. the fire and the passion to to begin with mm. yeah first of all thank you for telling the story uh, thank you for making the doco telling the story and putting that out there i imagine it, it wasn't easy um it took a lot of courage you know um especially like you said it started from a place of anger so even I mean, it must have been a whole journey of not just the storytelling, not just the authentic storytelling, but it is a story that resonates with us, even though we're not Tongan. I'm not Tongan, but I mean, I was just like so brave to for your family just to, to get on board and put this out there because it it is a problem and it is something that we talk about, um, but you guys are so brave. To, to speak that into existence and put it out there. I think with with my siblings, um, you know, when we had had a discussion before we embarked on the journey, um, mm. we made an agreement like, okay, we this is all or nothing. Um, mm. You know, we we've for this to transcend um, to, across cultures, um, for this to be as impactful. As, as we need it to be um, for an understanding of, of the of who we are and why we feel this way um, mm. then it has to be from a place of super truth and it's like yeah it's it's all or nothing like we've got to go handies or mm. it's a waste of time and I think you know that so that was always the the agreement, I guess, between us in the in the outset, um, because we are hafikasi, and we know that we're just instantly judged straight away. Oh, you're not Tongan enough. You don't understand mm. what it's like Tongan. All this, you don't know the va da da da, which is fine, fair enough. But actually, um, this is this is from our perspective, um, and we had to. I guess, you know, we needed to go deep in terms of the family story. Actually, this is this is what happened. This is, no one can say anything because this is our actuality, you know? Mm. Like, all that conversation, you don't know to actually mm. shut that down. This is our story, <laughs> you know? Mm, so, mm. so, and that's what it, I think, you know, with that mindset, we were able to, as a as a family, work through it, and we would always, um, you know, have discussions along the way between our siblings and with dad, mm. um, and um, I guess feedback where we were at, and mm. you know, um, I would say to Emily, oh, actually, you know, when I had the talk with dad the other day, he didn't even realise um, that. Um, he was really hurting us. He didn't even realize that we were like super upset, da da da. You know, so and and then just like all these kind of awarenesses um, to help each other understand each other's perspectives at that point of time. Mm. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, um, I'm grateful. Yeah. Mm. So for my father's kingdom, um, had its world premiere as mentioned before at the Berlin Film Festival in 2019, won a jury award at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival, placed third for the Melbourne International Documentary Audience Awards, it was the first Pacific Island feature documentary funded by the New Zealand Film Commission. I mean, that in itself is huge, and of course, you know, first in the world to be directed and produced by Tongan females. Whoop whoop. I mean. <laughs> what was it like to be able to take this beyond the shores of Aotearoa and let other people, I mean, hear the story, hear your story? Mm. I think um, to get into the Berlinale Film Festival uh, was pretty awesome. Like, that was pretty mm. amazing, um, you know, um, that in itself was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that that's so cool because mm. it's probably you know one of the um, uh, most prestigious um, European film festivals, um, and it's kind of like the one that you want to make it into. So mm. um, that in itself was like, oh wow, that's pretty awesome. But I guess um, 
being able to go over there with my siblings mm. and us kind of present it our taonga to the world together was so much fun i mean you know in in all reality like they they keep moaning at me like oh you put us through all this da, da, da. but but they actually you know they appreciate their time mm. <laughs> and yeah yeah did it, you get been, a lot it's been a trip <laughs> yeah was there a lot of feedback from your own community there you know communities there in Aotearoa like yeah where people like oh that I I understood that that's my story or I get you know like did you get a lot of that yeah we got um I guess it's a really it's a fine line when you're talking about these issues and mm -hmm. and um and religion and all of this so we I was always very conscious around like that line of it pushing it over or under or you know i what i didn't want was for people to be turned off and mm. to be like oh no that's that's trash or whatever <laughs> um but they really our community really embraced it and accepted it because they couldn't say any other wiser because mm it was our actuality and you know mm. it was our truth and um everyone just resonated with dad you know he's mm. kind of like the kind of the typical dad dad figures yep. so um and and each of our family members you know everyone's got a family it, at the forefront of it it's it's a family story first um mm. and i think that was you know even in germany um the Germans were like, oh, I can see my family in that. That's my dad. He dresses up and goes with his old school buddies. And, you know, so there's there's so many kind of like, um, it's not just about the Tongan cultural issues. It's, mm. it's actually some of the family dynamics that transcend culture. Um, and, you know, tithing is, is, is a contention. Like, it's a, it's a thing worldwide. It's it's not just in our Pacific communities. So, mm. um, yeah, people can really understand. Um, yeah. So, so from the feedback that we got from everyone, which was really positive, I mean, there was, there was one, there was a couple of grumbles around the um, um, swear words, because mm. my, my brother swears, um, well, a couple of us kind of swear, uh, but but it's in context, and um, it kind of felt like we had massive kind of like, because you know there is the rule where you can't swear with your um, siblings in the room, um, and when you're watching TV, I mean, mm. you know, watch stuff, um, watching stuff, and so that was kind of like that thing where we go, hmm, do we break the rules, the Tongan rules here, or can we let this? go and I mm. think so what we did was we made um a couple of versions of the film which is not a usual practice um you know the film commission were like oh we that's not done and I was like well actually it has to, we have to do it this way because mm. in in a theater we can have the the swearing and at the film festivals like that's because that's a that's his true authentic voice and I don't want to strip that away from him I don't want to take that moment away from him because it's mm. quite a powerful moment but our other version that we take into our churches and our Tongan community hard when we when we're going around into the community yes we've taken the swear words out <laughs> so that mm. was the compromise and um and <clears throat> I think that's been the only kind of negative um stuff to feedback to me I know Robert mm. has been judged quite a lot poor guy um mm. yeah which has been a little bit tough for him but I think also there's a lot of understanding of his position as well mm. yeah. what was the biggest learning curve um from for my father's kingdom the journey um probably um uh the well-being support mm. of just being aware of family members and um ongoing stuff because you're opening up a whole can of worms right and and you know um yeah it's uh, because these stuff are this stuff this this kind of open talking mm -hmm. visual stuff is is relatively new like 
we should have um, been much more um, aware about the emotional impacts of having um, this content so publicly screened. And so we've been doing um, a bit of work to try and... Oh, so that's how we started up our new programming, Talalotofale, and that was because that real, real understanding of, hey... If we're making stuff like this, we not mm. only need to support our people along the way um, and, and during it, but also the aftercare, um, mm. because that was a that was a bit of a downfall, and you know it was hard for my family. Mm. I want to um, talk about Malosi Pictures. Uh, so, fam, if you're tuning in, Malosi Pictures, it's a creative media group that specializes in Pacific video and stills photography. It's based in uh, Tamaki Makoto, Aotearoa. Uh, Malosi is a Samoan word for strong or power. And I mean, Malosi Pictures is about empowering people, um, peoples through the work that you do. Uh, you are one of the co-founders. Tell us about Malosi Pictures. Uh, the journey thus far? Yeah, so Malosi Pictures started, um, you know, we had been in the TV industry for um, a number of years um, mm. and um, I had been um, set dressing uh, a few short films and, and everything, but I, I had started to have a few children. By then I had two children and um, I just wanted to be able to create opportunities that I had had growing up where we could take the kids over to the islands mm. <laughs> and work slash enjoy slash holiday, you know, two birds with one stone kind of right, thing. Right. So, um, <laughs> we started to create content um, that we wanted to make in the sense that um, to become our own producers. So mm. we, um, and that was really lucky because during that time, uh, the Coconut had started out, which oh, yes. was a big kind of platform and they were funding different projects. So we um, put together a whole bunch of projects that we wanted to do over in Tonga. And um, we went over there, would spend like six weeks over there and just do a whole chunk of work. Um, and one of the um, works that we, oh, a few of the works were these Tongan legends um and yeah and that was really awesome because you know we used first-time actors um the crew it was just me my partner and my sister um and our two cameras and little sound pack um but we were able to work with our our friends and, and locals who were um, interested in in doing camera and filmy stuff um and create these really of awesome legends and I think for me like in reflection the Ahoeta was definitely like my most favorite work that I've ever done mm. because it was just so grassroots um and so much fun and you know we didn't have money to pay people but we just we were able to feed people on set and mm. and it was just you know it was it was just an awesome time in in the sense that you know we were able to create the, these things on such a tiny budget um and show um that others that you don't need all these fancy bits of equipment it's really just comes down to story mm. um and so that's how kind of malosi pictures was was born um and well created and malosi is the name of our oldest son Mm. So it just kind of made sense to call it Malosi Pictures. That's so cool. You know, I've seen some soundscape uh, videos on YouTube that um, that you had that that are on your YouTube. There, it's so cool. Like for me, I didn't know a lot about soundscape until um, like meeting matt um anonymous and seeing it like he came on the show too and talked a little bit about that and then when i was researching for you like i'm so curious about it ever since then i was researching for this interview and i was just like oh my gosh and found all these videos of the stuff that you had done i mean it's super dope eh? like i it's just yeah there's just something about the visual and just hearing the sounds the 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 ocean and the i mean it's yeah it's 
yeah. <laughs> I yeah, would love to learn yeah, more yeah. about it, you know, like. Mm. That's definitely one of my favorite things to do um, because to me it's like digital drawing, um, mm. you know, with, with film and TV. It's, you, there's this kind of, I mean, you can get away with a little bit in experimental film, but with these soundscapes and in the digital space, you can really experiment. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I really enjoy that part. <laughs> Are there any current, um, you know, uh, projects, I don't know if you could talk about it, that, that you're working on for Malosi Pictures? Uh, you know, how do you go about choosing projects? Is it like a long period of um, research and discussion? Are you always on the lookout for, you know, stories that can be told um, and produced through your company? Yeah, well, um, so being freelance, I guess um, Malosi Pictures goes in and out of projects. Um, so Jerry, um, he uh, just finished directing, um, was it Faith, Family and Football, which is a, a documentary around um, uh, professional rugby players, Pacific oh. professional rugby players. Um, and um, I am soon to be um, directing a feature documentary on Jonah Lomu. Um, but that will start up in the new year. Um, we we have a few other little projects kind of cooking away, but um, the focus sort of over the last couple of years has been building up the Tuttle Patch. Um, yeah, we're moving. That's what that was my <laughs> next question. I was like, we're getting there. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So. Um, in that um, the the title patch actually came from um, from the film uh, for my father's kingdom and understanding mm. that oh man you know people would come up to us and go oh that that was an amazing film da 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 and in my family blah 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 and and talk about their story and mm. and it felt a lot of the times a lot and you know I've got screeds and screeds of messages of like all this kind of like emotional um discussion that I was like oh man like we need more safe spaces for these conversations to be had like we have just opened up this kind of can of worms for not just us but a whole mm. bunch of people um so we um as you know, siblings decided to create this program called Talaloto Fale and using the film as an anchor. Mm. Um, and because you know, when you watch the film, it is a you can self reflect so easily on your own lives, and it's an easier way for our people to start conversation because it's springboarding off the back of someone else. And it doesn't feel so intrusive in terms of, oh, I've got to start and tell my story first. You know, it just kind of opens the the uh, the gateways of, of Talanoa very nicely. And so um, we created this program. We did it with Tangata um, Saili Malo, which is um, uh, Pacifica with um, disabilities. Mm. And... Um, they created their own stories and we realized, hey, this is something that we want to do more. We need our own space to be able to do that, um, to have uh, computers set up so they can access whenever they need to. Um, but also we need a space that people will feel comfortable and immediately and um, create an actual environment rather than using a community center or someone else's mm. space. So that's how we came to create the title patch. Um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, that, yeah. Well, we, since we're talking about it already, um, so I, I came to Taro Patch Creative. My brother came to a meeting. He was meeting with um, Norma and Matt, and Move were there, and um, I couldn't believe. Like I have followed you on Instagram and followed Taro Patch, and I have seen the amazing things that are being done there, the community initiatives, projects, workshops, artists, just the fact that 
community groups can use the facilities. I didn't realize how huge it was. I was like, literally like, whoa, this is massive. Cause you just don't like from the front, you're just gonna like walk in. But then out the back, I mean, it's just such a beautiful space. Like it was a pretty cold day, but I, you know, we came and it was just so comfortable. Like I really felt like, yeah, this, I can see why people come to the space. Like for the short time I was there, I was like, yo, this is <laughs> like, it, I mean, yeah, like it's huge what you have all done there. And um, I mean, I was really gutted. I was actually, I was home. Um, when did I come home? Maybe two weeks ago, I was home for a week oh. and I just missed the Yuki Kihara. Um, yeah, I just missed the, the, I was leaving, like my brother received it. He was like, oh my God, look what's happening out at this, you know, the artist Eleanor, but I was leaving like a few days earlier, I think is when it happened. I was like, oh, gutted. But I just love what you're doing out there. I know I've seen like, there's um, Dalanoa Tuesdays, uh, like Rizvan and, you know, those guys, Avsiose, Benza, they're out there doing that with the navigators. I mean, it's it's just a really awesome space. If you're in, if you're in Tamaki Makoto, fam, if you're tuning in, like, if you get an opportunity, uh, check the bio, follow Tara Patch Creative. I mean, they are really spotlighting, highlighting some amazing creatives and the work that they're doing. They are out there giving their flowers. Check out the community space. Go and check out Vera and her team and see what they're doing. Even You don't have to take a meeting there, but even just to drop by and just to see what an awesome hub it is. Like, it's such a, a really true, like, I was there for a short time. I was like, yo, this is such a beautiful safe space like I felt like yo I'm with the people <laughs> like I really felt like yo <laughs> this is great so you know big uh, flowers to you and your team for and your family for what you're doing at Tarot Patch super super dope mm. well thank you <laughs> yeah it's a lot of work but it's it's spaces like this that we need you know mm. Oh, creative spaces to just chill. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you were um, able to get you directed two episodes of the Panthers, the, the the series, and I was, you know, knowing the historical significance of that series. I mean, how were you able to approach that series as a director? Did you approach it any differently to how you would other projects or short films that you've worked on, like? Must have been yeah. very special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with with the Panthers, um, mm. uh, because it wasn't necessarily my project, um, mm. uh, it was created by um, uh, Tom and um, Noah, uh, who mm. were the two producers slash showrunners. Mm. Um, when when you're a series director, um, there's already if you direct episodes one and two, there's already like the flavor mm. um, set of 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 how the style that it's shot and the kind of the look of it. So you're a little bit following suit um, in terms of um, the the creativity side. Like you can put your kind of own spin on things, but it's very much kind of set in a in a formula of of the whole kind of series um, layout. Mm. Um, but yeah, that kind of that whole series felt really um, awesome to be part of because there was so many brown people in front of the camera, behind the mm. camera, and it just had a really choice vibe. Like you know, we knew that we were like doing this this important story in history, and yeah, it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it's drama, and mm. this is one version of it there's probably going to be like you know another six or seven ver different versions so um it just felt really high energy um mm. and something to be proud of because a lot of the actors were again very um amateur actors um uh even i think that was my second time you know, I, I shot a, a drama short film the week before uh, I started on Panthers. And mm. that's the only other time apart from the legends that um, I've done drama. So mm. <laughs> it was a real like 
throw you in the deep end. Um, but it was it was good. You know, I think we, um, yeah, everyone had a good time on on that set. Mm. You know, um, I, I mentioned before that you know, like you've spoken in other interviews about this passion you have for storytelling through the Moana Pacifica lens, and is is our type of storytelling, if we, from your perspective, is our type of storytelling, uh, is it, is there always a form of advocacy and activism in the stories that we tell? Do you think? I think, um, I mean, there's always, you would always hope that there are multiple messages coming mm -hmm. through um, and that even if it's not something that's obvious, there's kind of like undercurrents of other uh, issues that will trigger some thought. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, one of the clever ways that we as Pacifica can really kind of hone in on because we do know that, you know, there is immediately always so much judgment so if we can kind of really hone in on the ways where we can emotionally shift um, uh, mind frames, um, because really to make changes, I believe um, mm -hmm. it's a, a change of, of heart as a, as a change of head. So if we do want to make these kind of changes, then we do need to access people's hearts first um, mm. and and so and we are emotional people so that's definitely um, you know a way that we we should that's one of our um, what do you call it that's what we're good at so we might as well mm. like go handies on it on screen you know <laughs> what I mean mm. yeah so I think that yes there all there is all these things coming through but other things will be more to the forefront than others. And and I think that's the, the thing about being a um, good filmmaker is that there's always underscores of things going on. And it's not just this one narrative, but there's all these other triggers and, well, not triggers, but all these mm. other dynamics going on underneath. <clears throat> you know, I asked you earlier about, uh, you mentioned when you were, starting out in the industry there were people that you, you you had mentors that you could call on and I wanted to ask about um you know currently are there groups of Moana Pacifica creatives or artists storytellers that are intentionally taking on up-and-coming writers directors producers filmmakers like do we have like, is there a big organization of you? Is it pockets of organizations of Pacifica folks that are doing that work, like mentoring our up and coming? Or, you know, what is that situation? <laughs> well, we have um, we have PISA. Um, so that's um, Pacific Island Screen Artists. Um, and we started that up um, during COVID because we realized that there wasn't, uh, um, you know, it was a very isolated industry in terms of there wasn't like a, a central point for us um, together and be supported by. Um, and so PISA, um, you can look it up and, and join um, um, that if you are wanting to create stories, whatever, be in the industry, then I really recommend um, joining, up, joining up to PISA because we have a whole bunch of different workshops and everything. Um, and, you know, I guess there's the other thing with um, our industry is it's very, it's quite clicky. And, and that's mm. another reason why we started up the Tuttle Patch so that there is a space that's not necessarily overly connected to just one production or one um, platform, but mm. um, all Indigenous productions can come here and create work um, and it be accessible to the community because a lot of the time it's our industry stuff is not accessible you know mm. um, it's all kind of um, who you know um, it's very much um, you know we're all kind of 
fighting at the breadcrumbs for funding to be able to create create stuff and and that's not a really healthy um environment for us to thrive in when we're just trying to survive mm. so um yeah there's a lot of good work being done but i think the more spaces that we have where it's kind of like we can come for these support networks um the better because that we can always grow with more Mm. Uh, how do you take care of yourself? Uh, what I, I like to ask everyone that comes on here, self-care, I mean, some people believe in it, others don't, and that's cool, you know, um, but how do you take care of your health, well-being, you know, mental health? Well, I just finished at the gym. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, folks. Actually, <laughs> actually, she's not even lying. She's for real, because yeah. before we came on, she was like, do I look all right? I just came from the gym. I was like, okay. Okay, so I see you. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's definitely. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's only because a gym has moved in upstairs. So it's, it's you know, we, we have to cause go because they'll just give us evils and go, why are you not joining? <laughs> but, it, but it's good for us, you know. Um, uh, I'm not really like a gymmy person. So it's been quite mm. a mindset shift to go to the gym um mm. uh what else um we have we do i guess um we work with a few clinical psychologists um especially around the programming so we have a, a clinical psychologist um mate of ours who comes in on fridays angus Dr. Angus, and we have a bit of discussion around um, certain things, but then we also have the uh, opportunity to um, have private um, consultation times with another Samoan um, uh, counsellor, Sharon from Soul Talks. Um, uh, what other well-being things we've we've actually that that's a huge part of our co-papa this year um, mm. was very much creating that well-being strategy because burnout is so real and I mean I do it all the time in terms of like working really late hours at night um, and just not looking after myself very well like I'm not really good so so it has been a purposeful mission this year and you know mm. getting things like midi middies um trying to do the kind of cultural aspects like blessings um you know because I think that's all part of it too and I, I feel like you know we need to just try really what works for us so this year has mm. been a lot of experimental um space around well-being and what works for our team what works for us individually but it is important but it's something that you have to keep purposefully doing or else you just it, you just let it go so mm. yeah you know outside of uh traveling back home back to the homeland of of Tonga like where else have you wanted to travel uh I know you love going back to the islands and it's like your second home are there any other places that you have on a bucket list that you're like I'll go there one day <laughs> yeah I mean I think probably like um Italy <laughs> always wanted to go to Italy and um look at all the renaissance art um mm. um I think uh Bolivia some mm. um South America area um I think I'm quite interested to um yeah, you know, and even like go to one of those like well-being retreats, you know, mm. do some ayahuasca and like really like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that I, I get you, I get you. Uh, what do you yeah. want people to know about Tonga? The beautiful, beautiful country of Tonga, beautiful islands here. What do you want people? People have never been there or know anything about it. What do you want them to know about your beautiful homeland? Um, well, you know, they always say that you go to Tonga for the people, mm. so you do, and it's the, the connections that you make over there, um, it's, it's not this, um, tourist destination in terms of, like, we don't have the fancy resorts and, um, and everything, so it's, 
you're definitely going there to experience the people and the culture. And I think that that's what makes it quite unique from um, other places in the Pacific because, um, yeah, it's, uh, I want to go back. I actually haven't yeah. been back since um, pre-COVID. Wow. So. Well, so do you have plans for you and your family or you've got a project you're thinking about right now? You, are you ready to just get on that plane and, and go? Well, we will be going back um, at some point for some filming with the Jonah mm. film. Um, yes. yes, so um, that's coming up, but I would love to – I won't be able to take the boys mm. there for that. That'll be pretty busy and intense. But um, I have started a project um, with Tuvalu, um, and hopefully if the funding goes well um, – next year I'll be able to spend longer periods of time over there mm. so it'd be good um, if I can take the kids over there and give them a blast on Tuvalu which is quite interesting yeah that's a, another you, whole that's a whole uh, another chapter yeah. of the podcast do you well, do you think you'll ever settle over in, in, in Tonga like I feel like with your work you can do it okay that might be a bit dramatic I, I mean I feel like the type of work that you do and you, you give off your spirit is like, you know, I can do this anywhere, man. I, I can tell stories and film stories anywhere. So would you ever consider like moving home back to the homeland? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more um, content that needs to be made. And, you know, I've got a few sort of, um, you know, features and drama, drama series that mm. I want to create in Tonga. So that's coming. Um, I think just for the moment, though, building up the Tuttle Patch, mm. Southside Studios, Buzz, see where that goes, and then potentially, hopefully, do something kind of similar in Tonga as well. Um, because, you know, there's so much talent there, so, so much young people who um, – just need a little bit more opportunities to be able to do things. Um, yeah. Cause there is a lot of people, young people who, who just, um, they have no jobs. They have no, mm. because there's no, not the opportunities there. So creating some kind of industry um, around that would be amazing. You know, mm. you know, ask all the guests um, we, as we begin to wrap up. I always ask guests, do you have a book recommendation? And then I record that you said at the beginning being dyslexic, dyslexic. And I was wondering, do you listen to audiobooks instead? Or do or do is there a book that you um, that maybe your kids love to read that you want to plug or recommend? Well, in, in saying that, like reading, like I never really had a problem too much with reading, reading because – the words are in context, mm. so I could just kind of tell, you know. Mm. <laughs> but a word on in isolation on itself, oh man, sometimes, yeah. But um, mm. spelling it usually, um, reading, oh man, you know. Well, that's the other thing is because I've been so busy, mm. um, I don't let myself read books like read like normal books like you know right. the books where you can escape and stuff in right, because right. I get addicted to them <laughs> and I have to read them till they finish right. and so I don't get any other work done so <laughs> you know like I that's that's um yeah so in terms of like uh books at the moment oh gosh that is a super hard one but I do listen to a lot of podcasts um mm. but it's generally um you know film creation podcasts or issues yeah. or talk back radio as we uh start to wrap up the show i just want to remind everyone man check out taro pitch creative online check out their hub if you're in tamaki makoto go through there say hi to Vera. check out the bio uh malosi pictures follow Vera. see the stuff that they're doing or she's doing online i mean get amongst the fam get amongst it there's so many cool things happening at taro patch um so you know i just want to say via um <laughs> like i have so many i am so <laughs> over prepared for this interview like i have a lot of questions i feel like we could just talk forever but fam via does not have forever she's got a lot <laughs> of things to do she's a very busy woman and i just want to say lover thank you so much for 
um, just being open. Like I was so shocked when you said, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, I'll come on the podcast. I was like, what? Really? Oh my God. So it's such an honor and it's been such a blessing to have you on the show. You know, sharing just important parts of your journey. I am looking forward to just continuing to follow all these amazing things that you and your whanau are doing in these community spaces. Like if we're not doing it, uh, if people, folks like yourself are not doing it, then who is, is? you know, and if you're not out there with your team and your whanau, with your community, putting out um, our stories and telling our stories the way we want it to be told, then who is doing that? So just, um, the huge flowers coming your way, sis. Um, much, much aloha and just keep thriving. Uh, keep striving to be the best you. Look after yourself <laughs> first so you can rock up and turn up for everyone that you love and for everyone that you're surrounded by. So that's me to you. And I just want to throw it back to you, sis, and just say uh, final words just to wrap up our, our, our talanoa. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for um, having me on your show. Um, when you reached out, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, no, so thank you for the mahi that, that you're doing um, and, and spreading the, the word. And, um, you know, yeah, come into the Total Patch, pop in. We're, we're pretty much open every day of the week. Um, but, um, yeah, just just come in and check it out. Just have a nosy. Um, but yes, follow us um Facebook, Instagram. We're getting there, you know. There. <laughs> we haven't gone hundies on the socials, but um <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just really um blessed to have had this conversation with you and um and I'll send you the link to the film and yeah. Final word of advice from a filmmaker to the listeners and yeah. Final uh, director quote inspire uh, us. <laughs> I think my my thing that I my big thing, you know, I've got two. Uh, okay. a, a change of heart is a change of head, you know. Um, and then today is the first day of the rest of your life, and I think that that's like so, you know, I that's something that I always come back to because it's just like you know. It's never too late. Like mm. everything, you, you can always start something because you've got the rest of your life to can to finish it. So, um, yes, they, that's my two big things. 